0: All right. Well, Kev, whenever you're ready, uh, lead us off with that big old hello. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. No pressure.
1: (laughs) All right. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast.
0: I'm your host, Kevin, a.k.a. K-Slugs. My name is Peter, a.k.a. Deal For Real, and I'm also your host. But in addition to the two of us, we've got a very special guest, my friend Matt,
2: a.k.a. Club Frills. What's up, Matt? Hey, I'm Matt, uh, Club Frills, and I am an amateur speedrunner of Mega Man X. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We
0: love speedrunning on this show. We we both have partaken in it. We both talked about it. But Matt, I do want to give a little bit of background on who Matt is because people out there are probably like, who's Matt? (laughs) But uh, Matt is a friend of mine that I met a couple years ago online via our uh, music community, actually. We make kind of similar music, and so we were talking about that. But uh, after a year or so had passed, we found out that we both were into like streaming and kind of video game culture in general. And uh, Matt has since become a fan of the podcast, which we appreciate. As always, whoop, whoop. and yeah. um, always good to have fellow gamer fans, especially yes. speedrunning fans, because that's always a fun uh, perspective to have. Um, but we had suggested, uh, or actually Matt suggested a while ago, hey, if you guys ever do Mega Man X, I'd love to be on. And I was like, yeah, any excuse to have a guest. And uh, <laughs> Kevin and I, Kevin and I have actually never played. I don't think either of us have played any Mega Man game before. Is that right, Kevin?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it was actually kind of funny because we were just talking. Like, we go through our list of games before the season starts. And I was like, well, why don't we do Mega Man X? And you're like, oh, actually, I know a perfect person for that. <laughs> so it's just kind of coincidence that's all happened.
0: Yeah. So this was our first foray into uh, Mega Man and specifically Mega Man X. But before we get into that, Kev, I think you did have one more announcement.
1: Yes. Uh, so, spoilers, we're doing Mega Man X. Usually we kind of like more gracefully get into that, but we have our Mega Man X, ex- Mega Man X ex- expert here, so uh, game, the game's Mega Man X, also it's in the title, so I guess that's pretty <laughs> obvious too, <laughs> but um, we're going to be doing a raid-off with the Secret Levels podcast. Um, if you're not familiar with them, uh, they're our good friends, they actually, they're very similar to us in that they are from, one's from Texas and one's from a really far away point, but it's a little bit farther, he's in a different continent. Uh, Canada. Country,
0: you mean?
1: I mean country, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not continent. Oops. Oof. Um, But yeah, so what we're going to be doing is a rate-off. And essentially this means we're going to rate the game with our own like respective categories. And then at the end we're going to come together and discuss our ratings. Not only about the game itself, but about how we go about our ratings as well. So it should be an interesting episode. We're going to be on one of their uh they call it side quest episodes uh after we release ours so um yeah it should be interesting so be sure to tune in to that and also listen to their review of Mega Man x which is already out
0: so yeah yeah so all this stuff is happening uh a couple of days after we release this episode so for anyone listening to this on monday or tuesday you're still gonna have to wait a little bit before that uh collabo episode comes out but it's gonna be a really fun time uh we, we've we never both appeared on a different podcast at the same time, <laughs> uh, and in this in this particular case it's going to be pretty funny because all four of us will be recording in different places. Um, granted, Toby and Kevin both live in Texas, but you know, not in the same room, obviously. Yeah. So uh, I, I expect there might be a little bit of like awkward uh, crosstalk going on with four different people, none of whom are <laughs> in the same room, yeah. but uh, we'll figure it out as we go. Um, we've had some luck with three people, uh, such as with Matt and Kevin I here, so... Hopefully it won't be too bad. Um, But yeah, I look forward to that. And uh, I think we're ready to get into the game. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do it, man.
1: Introduce us to that game.
0: Yeah, well, uh, since I like to include a little music clip, I'm going to say, for the sake of tradition, today's game is Mega Man X. And then that's when Kev goes, Yeah, yeah. Every single episode. (laughs) Um, but a little bit of background on the game because you know I'm all about that context is that uh, Mega Man X is developed by Capcom of course Uh, that is Mega Man's probably their flagship franchise if I were to guess Um, this game came out on the Super Nintendo in 1993 uh, but actually 94 for North America I believe Um, and for the life of me I could not find a timeline of Mega Man games sorted by release date they were all sorted by release date, but also by series. So Mega Man X is the beginning of the new Mega Man X, like, spin-off series. So it was really hard for me to actually tell what, like, Mega Man game this was, like, which number it was. Like, was it the fifth game or the tenth game or whatever? I used to think that Mega Man X was the tenth because X is ten. Um, but from what I can tell, it's probably, like, the ninth or tenth. So that kind of works out.
2: Yeah, um, they're, they're actually like out of sync, which is interesting. So Mega Man um, <laughs> 9 and 10 are actually um, reboots that Capcom did up into, I think it was like 2010s, like it, it was fairly recently that they did um, 8-bit versions of the game and, and released new versions. So X actually came out after Mega Man 6, which was on NES. And uh, it was, I think, the first Super Nintendo game. And then Mega Man 7, which was the Super Nintendo but like classic Mega Man, that came out after X. So, like, they actually um, like interleaved them as they came out. So it was like X and then seven and then X2 and X3. And then eight came out on PlayStation and then X4 came out on PlayStation. So, I, I don't think I was even aware <laughs> that there were games on the. PlayStation,
0: because I always kind of imagined it being a Nintendo exclusive series, and I guess it was at the beginning um, with a NES and the SNES. But it sounds like they kind of branched out after that point.
2: Yeah, yeah. Nintendo kind of dropped the ball on their third-party like <laughs> partnerships. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I was very confused about what was what when in terms of Mega Man as well. I, I like you. I thought you know Mega Man X was you know the tenth one. So
0: yeah. Well, Matt, since you dropped that knowledge on us, it sounds like a uh, you have a little bit of background knowledge, at least a little bit, on the series as a whole. And uh, I was also wondering, I believe that you have been playing this game for a long time since your youth. Is that true?
2: Yeah, um, this I own this game on cartridge. Um, oh. I got it when I was a little kid. And um, we used to, like pre-internet, I think at some point my... My game manual was just completely destroyed, like it was just crumbled up. And like I would always look at it, and you would you would ask your friends like how, how to better beat bosses and stuff like that. So, <laughs> I've been, I'm 30. I've been playing it for 20 something years.
0: Yeah. Wow. So truly, truly a veteran. So the complete, total solar eclipse opposite of uh, Kevin and I's experiences. Because we just started playing the game. I started playing it last week, Kev. I think you started playing it this week, probably.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. So we've got those new perspectives. But um, I think that's enough context. I think we're ready to get into the meat and potatoes, which is, of course, the gameplay section.
2: Yes.
0: Um, Yeah. Who wants to start? I, I don't know who should start this. I think it should not be me.
1: I'll do it. I'll do it. Because I think my opinion is going to be very different than the majority of people who have played this game. <laughs> oh shit! And a- at least that's what I think from like me looking online and seeing what people think about the game. So I think you know I'll start off with a different perspective, and then you guys can come in with your perspectives. But at least I think mine's a different perspective. I don't know. I assume Matt's anyway. We'll we'll get into it, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I'll start off by saying that I thought this game was really stinking hard. Like I did not expect it to be as hard as it was. Um, (laughs) I felt, and I say this way too much on this podcast, but I felt like I was playing (laughs) Dark Souls since I was like dying over and over again just trying to learn uh, what to do and how to beat the enemies. So I kind of had that um, element going on there. Um, I think this game would have taken me a lot longer if I didn't have save states. I'll definitely say that because, um, you know, when you only have a certain amount of lives, and it's kind of—I wouldn't say the levels are too particularly hard, like the platforming stuff like that. But like, you can like lose a life or two on your way to the boss of each level. Because I don't know if we've talked about how the game
0: works yet. No, um, we can we can do that soon though. After you kind of finish okay. this point.
1: Okay. Yeah. So basically, when you get to the boss. Um, you're kind of beat up. At least that's how I feel, especially when the first time through a level. And you get to the boss, and the boss just utterly destroys you. And so I tried not to use save states, but I realized in order to save time, I'm going to need to use save states. And so I was very thankful that I had that ability. But I would say that's one knock that I have on it, is that you, know, you spent so much um, effort and time getting to the boss, and then he just kind of like destroys you. And you're like, well, I didn't have any time to learn. Especially like the uh the electric boss. Uh oh, Mandrill like,
0: Spark Mandrill. Yeah, he
1: can like kill you in like two or three hits and you're just kinda like, What what's happening here? <laughs> so um I kinda got destroyed and I was I felt really sad, but yeah, it, it's really hard. I, I'll give I'll give it that.
0: Yeah, uh, my perspective on the difficulty, it was pretty similar to yours actually. Um the first day I played it, I played for about two hours and uh, I, I'd only beaten two of the uh, the Mavericks, two of the stages. And um, I found myself getting pretty frustrated and saying like, oh, this is bullshit a lot. When really I think it's just that I, because I don't often play games that are new to me, um, only really since the podcast have I started doing that again. Um, I just wasn't used to dying a lot, like at all in any video game or anything. <laughs> so, so for me to have to learn like, pretty quickly, lest I get a game over, how the bosses worked, or even how some of the platforming or the other enemies worked, like, that frustrated me, because I wasn't used to it, but then I started to kind of appreciate the grind afterwards, like, um, and I kind of accidentally didn't use save states. like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna be as pure as possible, It's just like, it didn't really occur to me, because I felt like, like, the challenge, like, it felt like that was part of the intrinsic challenge to me. Um, I did have a little more time to spend on the game, because I did start playing it a little earlier, so maybe that's another point where Kevin's perspective and mine differs. But um, I I felt that it was pretty satisfying to get beat up just enough to learn what was coming and then be able to deal with it the next time or maybe the time after that. But um, you definitely can't expect to beat every boss or every level within one uh, set of lives, so to speak. As a new player, I don't think. like You you have to learn how to do it.
2: Yeah, I I think I would have defended the game more. Like, no, it's not that bad. But um, I recently bought Mega Man 11 for PC and switch and um, I just died all the time. I think I've only <laughs> beaten two bosses and it really brought me back to like when you when you don't know these games, um, inherently like there is a certain amount of grind of figuring out um, all the stages and the mechanics and and bosses so yeah. Um. It, I think Kevin's point is valid. There, it is a grind, and it's um dying. It's like Dark Souls. Dying is part of progression for these games. Yeah.
0: I think that um, this will kind of touch on the general structure of the game too. So kind of killing two birds with one stone. Uh, the way that the game works is it's it's completely non-linear, in that you can choose one of uh, eight levels to play right from the get-go. Well, there is an intro level which kind of teaches you some of the core mechanics, which is actually very good. Um, but past that intro level, then you get to the main menu selection screen where you can choose any of the eight levels. And uh, you go through a level, the platforming and all those standard enemies, and that, those are usually fairly short levels. They probably take just a matter of minutes if you're not like constantly dying. And then you get to the boss, by which point you're probably going to get your ass kicked, as we've talked about. <laughs> and then uh, you're probably going to get a game over, and then you're going to have to start over at the level... And uh, you know, make your way back through the checkpoints that you've gotten through. So that's kind of the structure. And uh, every time you beat a boss, you can get their weapon as an upgrade. And um, every boss is weak to one other boss's weapon. Although it's not really like it's not like Pokemon rules where water is weak to electricity. You just kind of have to figure it out through trial and error. I found. Um, but you get stronger as the game goes on. Is basically what I'm saying. And um, one of the problems, though, I felt is that. There are a bunch of really strong upgrades that are hidden throughout some of the levels. Like um, Sting Chameleons level has armor that will reduce your uh, your damage taken by fifty percent, which is like massive. Especially in a game like this where you are dying all the time, that's such a huge boost. That if you don't get that early on, and I, I didn't really get it early on, I got it kind of in the middle. But like if you don't get it early on, then the game's going to be a lot harder up until that point. Another thing is that uh, Chill Penguins stage. Like, that's the stage you're supposed to start on because that's where you get the dash boots. And we haven't even talked about the movement yet, but basically, Mm -hmm. like, this item helps you move. Like, it's incredible. There are parts of the game that you can't do without this item. Yeah. And, like, for the game to not really clearly tell you that you're supposed to do that level first is just kind of, like, kind of rude, I think. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah. it was definitely a failure on their part. And they fixed that in X2, where they start you with the dash boots because I think the developers realized that it was such a fun core mechanic of the game that you couldn't start someone out thinking that they could do the levels without Dash. So yeah, it, it's just like a total fa- failure on their part to um, like not direct you because I couldn't even imagine doing some of the levels without Dash boots. It would, be, <laughs> it would be literally hell.
1: Yeah, I think that that's one thing about the game that I also didn't like. There wasn't a lot of like direction, which I guess leads to exploration and 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 that's kind of a fun element in itself, but it's kind of like you don't really know what order you're supposed to beat the bosses in. Although, and there's not a set order, but there is an encouraged order where it's much easier. And I feel like I chose the hard route, which is probably why I had such like a a difficult time. But utilizing save states, I was able to just go back to the boss and like some bosses I just barely beat. Like I probably shouldn't have beat them, but I did because I had <laughs> save states. So, I mean, I don't know. I I, I would kind of like a little bit more detail on like what I'm supposed to do, but at, at least to start out, just so I can like I know what the game's wanting me to do.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. I I would like to play the sequels and see how the different like the differences in each sequel and see like okay, what do they change from you know X to X two and stuff like that. So I, I think it'd be interesting to see that. I mean, I'm anxious to play the other games because of it
0: and Matt made a good point in a text chat earlier today that it, it might just be a product of the different era. I mean this game came out over 20 years ago, which is yeah. bonkers. I mean 25 years ago actually. Um to where, you know, games didn't really care if you knew how if you knew the correct order. And a, a good example that he brought up was Link to the Past, which of course we've reviewed on the show and very highly at that where like some of the stuff you need to survive and in some cases literally beat the later dungeons, like, are items that are out of the way. Like, you need the uh, silver arrows to defeat Ganon, and the game. I don't really recall it telling you much about where to get the golden arrow or the silver arrows. So it's like you're kind of left to your own devices, and this game is just kind of doing the same thing. So it's probably just you know that's how things were yeah. at that time back in my day, et cetera, et cetera.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff in Link to the Past that's tucked away, like the. You know, you could throw the shield into the waterfall. What is it? The fairy thing? And you get the better shield. There's all sorts of like really niche ways to get armor upgrades and and weapons in that game that they don't explicitly tell you, but make the game much easier. I think X does this a lot. Um, All of the armor upgrades and stuff are tucked away in the levels. On the other hand, I think that this game does it
0: pretty well to where the most important upgrades, I think, are usually fairly easy to find. like um, The game rewards your sense of exploration by having these uh, major and minor upgrades both available to you, but I think that the minor upgrades are usually more hidden, which makes sense like from a, from a difficulty and progression standpoint. And then smaller things like the hard containers, they're usually a little harder to get or harder to find. So I, I kind of found that to be a pretty good balance, actually. It's just that you don't know what order the levels should be played in, which... I think is like more of a factor when talking about the overall difficulty of it.
1: Yeah. I want to uh, go to uh, so this kind of on a tangent, but um, I wanted to nitpick a little bit and then I wanted to go to more some more like positive things because I feel like I've been ranking on the gameplay to this point, but uh, one thing that I really wish that it had was like the ability to either crouch or like aim with like aim differently with your uh, with uh, Mega Man because there are enemies like above you and they're kind of really hard to kill or like you want to like aim down so you can like uh maybe you're on like a platform and you want to aim down so you can hit the head of like somebody else i think that would be really i don't know if they changed that later on if there's anything comparable to that but like kind of wish that was a thing
2: yeah um in x i think in x5 or x6 they introduced crouching but at that point <laughs>
0: revolutionary technology.
2: At, at that point, um the level design is actually terrible and it's it's a lot of artificial difficulty. Like I I actually think everything past X4 is pretty terrible and I mm. I wouldn't suggest that anybody that listens to this podcast plays anything <laughs> past X4. Oh shit. <laughs>
1: that's funny. Well, the best mechanic I think in the game in in my opinion is the wall jumping. I think that's like the thing that I really enjoyed most is like being able to, because playing Super Metroid, I was like, why is this more difficult than it needs to be? And when I was playing Mega Man, I was like, okay, this, this feels nice. Like, I can do anything off the wall. It saved my life a lot. Yeah. Like, a lot. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. Um, I do want to touch on the crouching and shooting thing just really quickly before we move past it, because I yeah. felt the exact same way as you were like, oh, there's shit above me like all the time. And it's kind of annoying that I have to juke them and jump up and get to their <laughs> get on their level to shoot them. Yeah. But um at the same time though, like this is a like by this point, I think that those mechanics or rather those lack of mechanics was pretty intrinsic to Mega Man. And I think that the game is designed around it pretty well to where like I don't usually find myself needing to crouch and I usually am able to jump up and hit enemies rather than having to aim. Um, of course, being able to do those things would make the game easier, but I think that it's not like a terrible sin that they've committed necessarily. I think that they designed the game with that in mind because they had been doing it for years up to this point.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think they tried to stay true to the roots of the game while introducing these new mechanics and I think there's something difficult about um, introducing the amount of verticality and, and movement that you can get with dashing and wall climbing that like completely changed how they would have to design a level. So like, while, while I think you you can, like, shooting up would be good. There are weapons in the game that give you that sort of vertical movement, especially um, the boomerang and the missile. And, um, like, the electric shot, when it hits a wall, it will spread out over a wall, which gives you sort of vertical mm-hmm. damage ability. Yeah. Um, and charge shots, you can kind of use them to, like, the hitbox is really big on the the fully charged shot. You can kind of use it to, like, nip, nip all those bats and... Smaller <laughs> enemies that fly at you um, by just shooting them like below them and whatnot.
0: Yeah, and that kind of segues into another point, which is that uh, I personally feel that the weapons were—they're were all quite unique. I felt um, not too many of them felt terribly redundant. And uh, I, I personally—and this is like just a Peter gameplay thing in general—is that I usually try not to use weapons that have limited ammo because I'm always like, I need to conserve them until the time comes. But then the time comes and I don't realize that that's the time. So I just like hold on to all my <laughs> weapons forever. And so I played through most of the game with just the standard buster, which Matt was uh, generally impressed by when I told him that. So uh, go me, I guess. <laughs> um, but the weapons are cool and like there are certainly ones that saved my ass a bunch of times. Like um, some of the later boss fights, I would use the rockets to, because I home in on enemies and I would use that to my advantage while I'm like up spamming wall climb to stay in the corner and I would just fire Dude, the rockets me and let them do the
2: work. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing. Like
0: some of them have really clear advantages like that, yeah, um but i I don't think that they're like always and um I don't think they're always necessary to beat a level. I mean, if you want to beat it as quickly as possible, then probably you should use them a lot, but it's cool that you have the option, like they're just tools that are available to you, and I think they're fun in that regard,
1: yeah, I think they're really good, uh yeah i I really liked all the different kinds of weapons. I thought that was a really good strength to this game. And it it does kind of help you in things like different enemies that fly above you, Um, but I did like want to conserve it like you did, and so like I was like, oh, I might need it for this boss because I didn't know which weapon I was gonna need, and so I would just kind of like try to get through the majority of the level with just the standard blaster, and then I'm not very good at these terminologies that you guys have, but (laughs) I call them blaster wall jumping.
2: I think I think the standard term for. X Fans is to just call them lemons, like the, the little lemons. <laughs> <laughs> shoot yeah. lemons. Uh, I was shooting, shooting lemons at people, yeah, just to get through the
1: majority of the level. And then when I got to the end, I was like, all right, let me just like, spam all these uh, different uh, types of weapons that I have to see if any one of them will give me a major advantage. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. There was like, what's the boss where you have to freeze him
0: Ah, oh, Mandrill. Uh, spark mandrel.
1: Yeah. So I don't know if there's, I mean, there probably is, and people have probably done it, but to me, it didn't seem like there's any way to beat that boss without freezing him. <laughs> he was just too good. Yeah. He's, he's a really rough one without the freeze. Cause he'll kill you in like two or three hits easy. And then he'll like jump up in the corner or something. I don't know. I utilize the jumping of oh, the wall jumping a lot as well.
0: Yeah. Wall jumping and, uh, Wall dash jumping, which I found out, if you press the dash button and then jump off the wall, you'll jump further, which I didn't figure out until pretty much the end of the game. And that's because I was Googling how to get something, and then they were like, oh, you have to dash wall jump. It's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so um, turns out there's even more mobility options than I thought. Um, but I do kind of want to shift the conversation towards the movement because I think there's a lot to talk about. Um, at least, selfishly, I have a lot to talk about <laughs> with regards to movement. Um, but from what I understand, this game was revolutionary and the Mega Man series because it was the first game to give you that dashing and also wall jumping. Matt, you can correct me in a second if I'm wrong about those things. Um, no,
2: it's, it's absolutely true. Other than, I guess you could think of the classic Mega Mans. They had a, a slide. Oh, that's that you could true. Do. Um, and that was, that was from Mega Man three and onward. You could do a slide. And then I think they introduced charge shots in four.
0: Yeah. But, uh, in general, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that this was kind of a brave new world for Mega Man. And, uh, And you can move pretty fast, and you can jump pretty far, and uh, I I find moving to be a lot of fun. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I enjoy Smash Brothers Melee as much as I do is because you have all these options, and and, uh, Mega Man X, you have kind of the same thing. But what was interesting from my perspective is how the movement felt really different from a game like uh, Super Mario World, the greatest game of all time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In Mario games in general, and also uh, Super Mario World, there's kind of a more fluid nature to the movement. Like, you can walk and build up momentum, and like you, you're not instantly like snapping from one direction to the next. Whereas in Mega Man, like everything is so start and stop. Like you press right, and you're just walking at your like max walk speed already. Um, you can totally shift your momentum in the air like instantaneously, which took a while for me to get used to. I would like overshoot platforms and then overcorrect and then like still die <laughs> because <laughs> I wasn't expecting my aerial mobility to be so good. Um, and even jumping, like I'm pretty sure that when you jump, like, the instant you let go of the jump button, you start falling immediately. Like, there's no kind of natural arc to it. So, and I don't think any of these are bad things. Like, I'm just trying to make clear that there is a difference because I think it's some, like, those are little differences that can really shape someone's personal preference. Like, I prefer the Mario way over this way, although that also might be because i played Mario for years and years. So, um, it's just kind of interesting to talk about that, I think, and how these different platforming games handle that differently. Yeah, um... Did you?
1: Somebody told me that you can you can change the control of the dash like button. Like uh, somebody was trying to tell me that. Is that true?
0: Yeah, uh, there is the options menu um, on the title screen of the game, and you can just remap any button to any other button. Of course, it's on the title
2: screen. I didn't go back there very much. (laughs) Which I I think in itself is a little bit novel for this time period. I can't think of that many games for the Super Nintendo that let you map any button to any other button. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: I was surprised because Matt. Recommended to me, uh, very wisely I might add, uh, to map the dash button to one of the triggers yeah. so they can more easily jump and fire at the same time. And so, but I, and so I, I understood that advice and I was like, so Matt, Matt was giving me all of this information, like crazy dump of information, like you do this and this and this, <laughs> <laughs> which um which did kind of overwhelm me. But I was like, okay, this this particular piece sounds very important, so I'll try that. And uh, I was expecting to have to go into the emulator and remap the buttons that way. Um, I mean my uh, modified. Super Nintendo console <laughs> legal to to do that. Right, yeah. But no, it's right there on the option screen. I was like, whoa, this this is pretty cool. Like I was not expecting that <laughs>
2: at all. Yeah. Uh my thumbs hurt.
0: <laughs>
1: after yeah.
2: I, I did a I did a like just I haven't speedrun in about a month or so. And I went in today and I, I started doing it. I, I died a lot and it was really bad. But uh my thumbs hurt so much just from <laughs> doing like three or four like levels to bosses, you know, yeah. it really takes a toll on you. It's a taxing game.
0: I think part of the reason for that, um, and this is kind of getting back to weapons, but um, part of the reason for my thumbs hurting, which I agree, by the way, um, is that you have to shoot so fucking much in this game. Like, Matt, you brought this to my attention earlier in text chat, and I didn't think about this until you mentioned it, but I think it's totally true that uh, I-, I feel like the normal enemies take way too many shots to kill. Like, when you start off in Chill Penguin stage and you come across, like, a robot bunny rabbit, you have to shoot that thing, like, three times. It's like, it's a fucking bunny rabbit. Like, I should be able to shoot it once and then move on with my life, I feel like. Like, even... I don't know, man. Like, I think the most fun part of this game is moving. And when you have to shoot things, like, from three to 15 times to kill them, I feel like it just kills that momentum of moving and having so much fun that way.
2: I definitely agree. Um, I also think that there's no agreement with the devs with like what enemies should have a certain amount of hp so you you will look at a bunny and be like that should die and then it doesn't or like some flying thing it should die in one shot and it doesn't so <laughs> like they they seem to like certain things like you would expect like a green shot is supposed to do 2 damage and sometimes it does one to something and then sometimes even a fully charged shot which should do 3 damage does one to certain enemies it it's just kind of all over the board so you never really know what to expect with, with each enemy that you encounter in the game. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: I didn't think
0: about that. And I, I think, kind of, a, another side to that coin is that I also felt that there were too many enemies at times. Like, um, yeah. it, it just kind of goes back to my point of, for me at least, the movement part is so much more fun than shooting. So, like, when there's a bunch of enemies getting in your way, and especially when there's enemies like just sitting in front of you that aren't really doing anything other than being in your way, well, I guess they teach you about the game, which is. Valuable in and of itself. Like, hey, here's an enemy, like in a safe environment before you get fucked up later. Um, which is another thing that the game does, and uh, Sequelitis does a really good job talking about that. But I still think that there are too many enemies combined with the fact that they have too much health. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I just felt like it's kind of a fundamental. Um, yeah. Like, they weren't taking advantage of the best part of the game and were instead, like, forcing you to play it a different way.
1: Yeah. I also think that, uh, <laughs> It was kind of weird because you say there's too many enemies, and it's like uh, the frame rate kind of dropped a lot because of it. <laughs> at, at least I had frame. Oh rate. yeah,
0: I had a lot of slowdown. I was wondering if it was the emulator, but I didn't. Or my Super Nintendo, but I didn't think so. Yeah. Oh, it's and, the uh, game. I was actually going to ask you guys about that. It's definitely the game, dude. <laughs> 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 it was really bad at times. Like there were some times I was like, whoa, molasses?" Yeah, when you get yeah. on those
1: like spiky, uh, like runaway minecart things.
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah, in Armadillo's level? You know, yeah. When the birds come out towards the end, it's just like the whole game yeah. just, like, <laughs> just like almost crashes everything. Yeah.
1: I was like, did they really like just let this slide? Like, all right, it's
0: it's good. Works. <laughs> Put it in. I do have one more gameplay point that I want to touch on. We've, we've been talking about this for a long time, but I really do think there's just so much to discuss with regards to the gameplay yeah. of this. Um. I agree. I want to go back to the bosses just briefly and say that um, I, I feel that most of them were pretty well designed. Uh, of course, they're all generally difficult, uh, with a, like one or two exceptions. Um, but the way that the bosses work, and Matt kind of, as with many things, Matt kind of told me about this as well, is that um, they do have a certain set of moves that they can use. Of course, but there's never usually a, a distinct pattern that they will do. Like it's not like oh. They'll do one of this, then one of this, and one of this, and then it starts over. Like, you have to learn what their moves are, but then you have to be ready to react to any of them at any given moment. Mm-hmm. It's not like Mario or even Zelda where the patterns will be really obvious because in this game, it doesn't seem like there are any. Wow. So, those moves are RNG? Like,
1: like you don't know which one they're going to do? Yeah, for every single boss, it's all RNG. Wow. What okay, so I thought it was just me. I like, I thought I could bait. Like the boss into doing a certain move, but now that I know it's random, I don't feel so bad.
0: Yeah, I Matt, I it strikes me as odd that that would be a uh, a reason to love it as a speed running game because I would think that people would hate
1: <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, it presents kind of a challenge. I see what it's saying. Like people, kind of, I think I'm starting to learn people love Mega Man because it's so challenging, and I think that kind of like exemplifies like that through the boss fights.
0: Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Do you guys have any more points about gameplay? I've uh, I've exhausted my long list personally. One last thing. Why why are the stairs the way that they are? <laughs> the stair
1: like your hitbox on the stairs for some reason like on your head is like way up top and then so when you're trying to in like the electric level, you're trying to get up the stairs, there's this one part where you cannot get through it without getting hit. Doesn't matter what time you go. I got hit every single time by electricity
2: coming through. Does um does level design go into gameplay? Yes. I would yeah, I would say so. For okay. Sure. Uh I would I would note that the levels change based on the boss order that you do them in. Yeah. And that changes the difficulty of the game. So if you don't defeat Chill Penguin first for, for some reason um you, if if you go to Flame Mammoth stage, everything is just covered in fire. Like, all the floors, like, it's just the floor is lava, there's fire everywhere. <laughs> it's terrible. And then if you beat Chill Penguin, everything is frozen, which makes the level a lot easier. And there's some yeah. other stuff like that, like um, um, Mandrill stage. Um, there's electricity that passes throughout the floor at the beginning of the level. Um, and if you defeat Eagle first, the... I guess the wind from him. I don't know how that even works, but something happens where all the pipes are broken and there's there's no more electricity passing through the floors. I think that's uh, yeah. somewhat novel for the design. There's other games that do this. I think Super Mario World does it well with uh the the check boxes. The what are you the colored boxes oh, that the, you can
0: unlock the switches.
2: Yeah, the switches. Yeah, that that was something I didn't learn until
1: today uh, after listening to the Secret Levels podcast. They they were like oh yeah if you beat them in a certain order if you're like it'll affect the le- like another level and I didn't really notice that while playing through it but I think that's a pretty cool gameplay mechanic um, yeah that you know if you beat one level you know it helps you on another level but I, I just didn't notice it and then like when they said it on the podcast I was like that's why I had so much trouble getting through the electricity
0: on that one particular stair Ugh. I noticed it with the uh, the flame mammoth level because that one's really obvious like oh this is all frozen when it should be fire I guess it's because I defeated Chill Penguin or something but uh, I didn't know about Storm Eagle's stage affecting Spark Mandrill's stage because I did Mandrills uh, afterwards so I didn't have electricity like running through all the pipes but it struck me as like totally normal it didn't seem off to me so that's kind of interesting Kind of uh, kind of makes me want to go back and play it in a different order and like try it with more
2: challenge yeah, and speedrunners uh, generally pick routes based on this stuff. So um, one of the things that speedrunners usually do is they, they call it, um, I well, there's two main ones, but one is waterless and, and waterfall, which means that in chameleon stage, there's a heart that's underneath. Uh, it's like kind of in a pit at the beginning of the level. And if you go down there, there's a wall that you can break when you have the helmet upgrade. And depending on if you've beaten... Launch Octopus or not, there's either water there, which makes it very easy to get the heart on the other side, or there's no water there, which makes it much more difficult to do. So there's kind of like these little niche things too that make some of the upgrades easier to get as well. I didn't know about that one either. That one's pretty cool. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and all this is just like showing that um, we don't know shit. This kind of touches on content. <laughs> yeah. Not, not only do we not know shit, but also all this stuff makes the game more replayable. Like yeah. I just said a few minutes ago, I mean, that kind of makes me want to go back and do these in different order, because like every single example you've given, Matt, has been the opposite of how I played it, yeah. unintentionally. So I kind of want to try that. And um, and even whether or not you choose to use weapons is going to change your gameplay experience a lot, or secondary weapons, obviously. That's going to change your experience a lot. So between that and between uh, the route you take, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways for you to vary up your own experience.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you can kind of optimize your run based on what you're comfortable with, I think. Yeah. Well, I think that does it
1: for gameplay. We, you know, like you said, it was a pretty important part. But I think we're we've, we've exhausted this category.
0: I'm exhausted of the gameplay of Mega Man X.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so do we? Do we all want to give our ratings for the gameplay?
0: Yeah, uh, Matt, why don't you start mix up a little bit?
2: Oh man, I'm gonna. Well, okay, I'm gonna try to preface this so I can at least explain myself. But the reason that I always come back to this game over my entire lifetime. And the reason I decided to speed run it was because of the gameplay mechanics. I think that mm. um, wall climbing and dashing and the combination of the two and just the feeling of movement in general, um, it just feels so good. And there's not too many games other than Celeste and... Uh, Celeste? How do you pronounce that? I'm not sure. Um, there's, a few Caleste. That, Caleste, uh, there's few games that... Celeste. There's few games that give me that feeling. So I'm going to... I'm just gonna be a spicy boy and give the the gameplay a ten.
0: A ten.
2: Yeah, perfect.
0: That uh that retro P Willy uh approach with the ratings, I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peter's like, yes. So I will go next and uh I gave the gameplay an eighty five. I uh I think that's a pretty good score. Um not quite in 90 territory for me personally. I, I think that part of it is just due to the fact that it's quite different from a lot of things I've I've played, like a uh, the lack of aiming ability and crouching, for example, like while I kind of get why they chose that, it still is just very weird to me, and I feel like it kind of makes my experience just a little less fun. Um, and then there are a couple times where some bosses, to me feel a little bit like, like they're too unpredictable. Like for example, Boomer Kawanger, I feel like that whole fight is just me shooting him in the face and like trying to get away from his teleporting and like just on the edge of my seat the whole time but like kind of in a bad way. Um, but I mean, those are kind of minor complaints, but, uh, I could see myself coming back to this game. Like, I do find the gameplay very fun and I can see, of course, the appeal for people who speed around it or even people who play it casually, like repeatedly, cause it's, it's it does seem like a lot of fun, but, um, not my favorite platforming game. So I think that an 85 is kind of a good score for me to give it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to probably be the most different here and
1: I don't want anybody to hate me for the score, <laughs> but, uh well I'll I'll say that i was I found myself pretty frustrated with the gameplay oftentimes, and uh, i to me the gameplay hasn't particularly aged as as well um, and I don't know maybe it's not my style of game either um, but it was, it was a decent amount of fun and i I would compare it to almost the level of fun that I had with Donkey Kong Country, but a little less so. Um, Because it felt a little bit more chaotic than Donkey Kong Country. So I gave it a
2: 73.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I
2: think that's fair, and it bounces out my complete bias. So,
0: <laughs> no, <it's- laughs> And uh, I-, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, Matt and I were uh, talking about Kevin Bind is back earlier. Oof. And uh, I-, I was just telling Matt, oh, you know, Kevin's kind of having a hard time with this. and uh, Which Matt kind of predicted just from the way that we've talked about other games on the show. Yeah. Which... It's pretty cool that Matt could even like form in a, a prediction <laughs> like that. So I think that's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, like uh, I've I've been growing up with platformers. They're one of my favorite genres of games. Uh, I know this game in particular is important to Matt, but so is the whole series. I think. And uh, Kev, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like platforming games haven't been quite as big a part of your life as they have been for me or for Matt.
1: Typically, I tend to like the 3D platformers. I don't know what it is about that, but they tend to. Tickle my fancy a little more, <laughs> yeah. but um, I don't know. It, it's not even the fact that it's a platformer. I just, I don't know. I just, I think if you're coming with a fresh perspective and you're not like you don't have a preference for these kind of games, and you just kind of came in and you've never played Mega Man and you haven't played many S NES games, and you know you're kind of like I- I'm not necessarily a retro gamer. I'm not necessarily a modern day gamer. I just kind of consider myself a gamer. I think there are many other games that I could enjoy the gameplay for. Like and I I don't think I get like super excited about playing uh Mega Man I, or at least in terms of the gameplay like oh yeah, I want to play Mega Man X over, you know, Banjo-Kazooie or something different like that. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just I think it's personal preference really. Um I think a lot of people I don't know. I I came into it like, you know, not knowing what to expect and I and it's not like I hated it. But I don't think it was my most favorite game. And I did enjoy Donkey Kong Country better. So, naturally, I thought I have to give it a lower score than Donkey Kong Country.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, anyway, that being said, let's move on to everyone's favorite section. Oh,
2: man. Aesthetics. Aesthetics. Aesthetics.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. The triple. The triple. Um. So...
0: Peter, let's let's see what you got for the visuals, young boy Pete. Right. Well, my overall impression is I really enjoyed them. I think this game is super attractive, uh, which is a quality I like in video games and also in romantic partners. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> uh, detailed and colorful environments and sprites. Uh, that's kind of my first bullet point. Like the level of detail on some of the shit is just crazy. Like I was in a, one of the Sigma Fortress stages, and like this platform had all these crazy like circuitry and. Blinking lights and shit. and I was like no one needed to do that, but they just did like like th- this this time period I think was like so much emphasis was placed on making everything as lively as possible and like even games like Super Metroid that are you know a lot creepier and more dark and brooding than this game like this that game still had a such a detailed approach to visuals and I think this game does the same thing. Um all the enemies and the characters have really interesting designs. Like I just like looking at everything. Like all the robots, and, and robots are like a naturally detailed sort of thing anyway, because there's all these joints and uh, I don't know robot terms, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, like there's just so much opportunity for them to be detailed, and they took every single one, and it's just really beautiful. I think.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of agree. Um, I thought the enemies in particular were my favorite part. I thought the sprites for each of them were pretty detailed and I really enjoyed like encountering most enemies. Um, provided that they weren't, you know, annoying me in some particular <laughs> way. But um yeah, no, like when I wasn't busy, you know, trying to kill them, uh yeah, I really enjoyed like uh you know, the way that the enemies looked. I also really liked some of the visual effects that Mega Man and some of his um, moves do, like, you know, the charge shot or or you know other things like that. It gives you a very satisfied feeling when you shoot them, and you know they're going to kill an
2: enemy, and you're like, "Yeah, I really like the visual effects in this game."
0: Yeah, Matt, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think there's a certain amount of like um, the world seems bigger than it is because of the way that they do like the parallax on some of the levels, like the intro stage where you're looking out and you're seeing this kind of city go by as you're as you're walking across. And all that stuff, like each each level seems bigger than it actually is because of the way that they um, do the artwork for it, and uh, like that part is really beautiful.
1: Yeah, I like I like some of the level designs. Um, Some of them were neat and fun, but I I would say some of them didn't particularly wow me. But Peter, you touched on this earlier. Some of them were pretty intricate, and I it was kind of fun going through some of them. Although some of them were really short
2: but uh, it it was pretty interesting just going through the different environments i will say i think i have to i have to do some kind of negative knock so i think that when you get to the end of the game um and you're you're doing the sigma levels that um you should be rewarded for getting to that point and they should look even more impressive than the regular um yeah. robot master levels i don't know mavericks they're mavericks um they they're not they're kind of dungeony they're not they're not really. You're you're kind of in a closed space. There's nothing really that that's has depth to it for those levels. Um, they're kind of claustrophobic in a way, and I, I think that's kind of a misstep for the end game.
0: I kind of I kind of thought about that exactly while you were uh, talking about the parallax effect because I was thinking back to the Sigma levels and I was like, yeah, I don't remember the parallax being so strong in those levels because those levels did not feel bigger than they were. Like they felt like you were playing a game in a tight space and in a claustrophobic way, like you said. Um, and I, I think it's kind of interesting, like, maybe they were trying to go for that, but with this art style, just it feels less, like, like tense and more just, like, small, if that makes any sense at all. No, I agree. Um, but um, one thing that I like to touch on with visuals is the variety of environments, because most games that we play kind of focus on that to some extent. And I think this game does it really well, like... Obviously, there's the ice level, there's the fire level, there's the jungle level. My very favorite from a design or from a visual design standpoint was Storm Eagle's level because it all takes place outdoors, which um, I mean, Chill Penguin does as well. But in Storm Eagle, like you're up in the sky and you fight Storm Eagle on like a flying ship rather than in those rooms that you fight all the other Mavericks in. And so, like, that for me was a high point visually, just this one level being so distinct. Like in a way that kind of (laughs) overshadowed some of the other ones, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I I think some of the, I think my favorite level,
1: it would have to be. I think it was the jungle. Jungle was a fun level. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that one. Um, But anyway, anybody else have anything on
0: gameplay or not gameplay (laughs) visuals? Uh, I do. Matt, do you have anything else before I uh, keep on trucking?
2: No, I'll I'll just piggyback off you guys.
0: Keep on trucking, brother. Well, uh, one thing that really impressed me is how like hyper stylized the menus are in this game. Mm. Um, the pause menu, like super intricate, just like everything else in the game. Uh, fun little icons for all of the uh, all of the weapons and all of your sub tanks and all that stuff. Um, and the menu to select the levels as well is really cool. Um, the square arrangement is pretty unique, uh, at least compared to games that I've played, and um, it shows you. You can toggle the uh, the map of the world rather than looking at the level of thumbnails and that's really cool like to be able to see the whole landscape because uh, otherwise it's kind of hard to think of the game as all taking place in one landscape until you do that and then it kind of everything just comes together in terms of like the game's world and um, just really I, I feel like they really went above and beyond with the menus which is probably not the place where most people would choose to in, like invest their visual design effort but they did in this game and I think it really paid off. I I'll have to agree with you, young people. boy. Yeah, but but on the other hand, the title screen, like, what the fuck It's just it's just black, and then the logo, and like, <laughs> and, and I feel like this is a Capcom thing because I remember Street Fighter also doing this, but like, I feel like Super Nintendo games either have really cool title screens or they have just black with the logo and like the three options, and I, I don't know, like, why this like it, it's the first impression of the game, almost quite literally like unless you watch the opening cutscene so like why is it so boring when the rest of the game is just so impressive like I, I really don't get it yeah uh I don't know man <laughs>
2: I'm trying to find a way to
1: justify it but I really can't
2: yeah I also think the 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 intro before you even press start just the the computer terminal with the and then there's that alarm that goes off at the beginning it's it's so obnoxious and like if that was your first time <laughs> looking at the game like you would just Look at that! And it's like boil, 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 like over and over again. <laughs> um, Like whenever I'm just like kind of idling on my computer and it's in the background before I press start, I'm it, it's just so annoying. It's really, <laughs> it's really not a good way to uh, introduce the game. Yeah, set it as your uh, phone alarm for the morning.
0: <laughs> and it's kind of a shame too because I think like the the content of the intro is cool because it's talking about uh, I'll talk about this in content, but it's basically. Uh, introducing the plot in a way that I think is pretty cool, but it's just, like, on such an obnoxious backdrop, it makes me want to not ever see it again because (laughs) I don't need to because it's just... So, uh, really weird, like, title sequence misstep compared to the rest of the game. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe that was the last thing they did and they were out of money or burnt out or whatever, but... um,
2: I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like, the classic games, they usually blow everything on the intro. Like, the intro has... Like for the NES games, it has like the most impressive graphics and storytelling, and for X, they kind of just didn't do any of that. (laughs) But uh, that's that's all that I got for visuals. Yeah, same
1: here. Uh, so I'll give my ratings first for this one. I I'll say overall, I like the visuals and I thought they were pretty solid. Not not didn't wow me enough to get an A, but uh, I'll I'll give it an eighty five.
0: Yeah, that seems reasonable. I uh, I enjoyed them quite a bit. I suppose I enjoyed them more than you did because I gave them a 95.
2: 95. All right. Matt, what say you? I'm going to go right in the middle and give them a 90.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. We we all have different scores. I like it. I like it.
2: Well, uh moving on to the audio, Matt. Oh man, the audio. Um I think some of the the actual sound effects for the game are, you know, they can be repetitive. Just hearing the same explosion sound over and over and over again for every robot that you blow up <laughs> can be a little bit annoying. Um, but I think the music is pretty good. I don't know if I'd, I'd put it on the same grounds as some of the other games that have been reviewed on this podcast. I think Ducky Kong Country has um, more thoughtful music yeah. overall. But I think the music fits the context of the game. Which is that? um, I think the game wants you to go fast. It wants you like to feel a certain intensity to it, and I think that almost every level gives you this sense of urgency to it, and it's sort of. um, I think there's a a contradiction to it, right? So if you're if you're playing this game for the first time. And I think it's like the same way. If you play Dark Souls for the first time, you'd want to play it slow and methodically, and think about every single thing you're doing, like every part of the yeah. stage. You want to look at it and be like, "Okay, there's these enemies here. I should maybe do this." And um, meanwhile, like the soundtrack is kind of egging you on, like "Just go, man. Just go." And uh, <laughs> it's
0: <laughs> Just do it. um,
2: And it's like I really enjoy the soundtrack uh, for that reason, but I think it's it's also sort of it's out of line for a first play. Um, mm. But but overall, I, I think the music's um, pretty great. I think there's uh, a couple of tracks that really stand out. Um, the Sigma Fortress 2 is one of my favorite themes in the game. Um, and probably one of my favorite themes overall. I think it's fantastic. And I also really enjoy Boomer Kawanger's stage. Uh, I wow. think it has really good music. There's some cool triplet stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting perspective. I've never really
1: thought about the intensity, but that that's a really good point. I guess it does feel like that. Um, I will say that I, maybe it's the speedrunner in you that doesn't like the uh, the sound effects, but I really enjoy the sound effects. I thought they were pretty cool. But I could see them getting redundant if you play the game over and over again.
0: I found the sound effects... I'm kind of siding with Matt on this one. Um, I think they're certainly adequate, but I don't think there were really like, I don't think there was anything too interesting that ever went on with sound effects. Like the sound effect that impressed me the most in the whole game was uh when you're fighting Flame Mammoth and he uh, trumpets his horn or not his horn his oh he yeah, trumpets man. his trunk and it was like yeah. Rockstar. that I thought was super cool. But like every other sound effect in the game is like oh and I shoot something and it explodes and that's it. And like the the explosions are the sound effects in general. We're not nearly as like stylized as everything else in the game. They're all fairly generic, so I'm I'm kind of siding with Matt on that. Um, and as, as far as the music goes, overall, I I really didn't find the soundtrack to be very memorable. Um, the tracks that's the tracks that stuck with me were the tracks that are were the tracks from the stages I spent the most time on. Like, which you know makes sense because you get more familiar with stuff over time. But because of that, like my favorite tracks are uh, Sigma Fortress One because I heard it so much because I died a shit ton and then uh, also Armored Armadillo that sh- soundtrack stood out to me because I went there to grind up on the bats at the beginning and get a bunch of health and shit so like that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what stood out to me the most but beyond that like I couldn't tell you I mean I played the game for a total of maybe like seven or eight hours which is a decent amount of time and I, I couldn't really tell you what any other soundtrack sounded like except for the boss battles That one's enough, that's another one but outside of those I, I wasn't really feeling quite too hot on the soundtrack
1: Oh man, I thought the mu- uh, the soundtrack was pretty fire. <laughs> like there's some pretty cool beats in there, and I think you know the in- like like Matt said, the intensity was really, you really felt it. I felt like a lot of the sounds and music of the game gave Mega Man its feel. Like I really felt like I was in Mega Man's world, and it felt really different than a lot of other games. So I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it, but I guess both of you guys are music music guys, but I really enjoyed the the electric factory level. I, I really don't know what level that's called. I keep saying the electric factory uh, Mandrill.
2: Mandrill's level.
1: Mandrill. That that one I heard a lot and I really enjoyed that one. I, I was pretty pretty satisfied with how that sounded. I mean it's not like the best soundtrack ever, I'll give you that, but um
0: I don't know, I enjoyed it. I wanna clarify that um Although I didn't find the music to stand out too much, I do think it does its job well. Uh, like you said, Kevin, like it, it fits the uh, it fits the environment and it kind of puts you in that place. And so, in that regard, I think it's successful. I think just for me, like nothing was really earwormy to me in the soundtrack. Um, so I just kind of want to clarify that. But another thing, uh, Matt, I kind of want to backpedal to uh, what you had said about the ga- the music wanting you to go fast, but like the actual gameplay kind of requiring that you go slow. At least for a first time player. Um, Because that's totally the way that I felt, like, to a T. And when you mentioned the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack, that made me kind of laugh internally because Donkey Kong Country is a game where I will just run the fuck through every single level and just, like, that's why I love that game so much is because I can go so fast. But in Mega Man, like, this game has a much more upbeat soundtrack than Donkey Kong Country does, like, 90% of the time. And in this game, I'm, like, going way slower than Donkey Kong Country 1 million percent of the time. (laughs) Like, it's just kind of a funny little mismatch between the two and um and I think that goes back to what I said about the like there's just always so much stuff, so many enemies in your way that take so many shots to kill that it's really hard for you to go as fast as the music makes you want to go i think,
2: yeah, I agree well,
1: uh that's all I have for audio i, I don't know if there's any more to say about it but
0: <laughs> uh, i'm uh am good on audio, matt what about you uh i I think that pretty much covers it cool, so who gives the rating here uh I think it's me okay and uh I will give it an a t an a t
1: cool well, I will give it a nine t. Matt i was also gonna give it an eighty
0: wow damn the music <laughs> experts agree uh, no critics <laughs> aggr- agree oh, don't, don't
2: don't get me wrong like i i love all the themes but i you know there's still some mishma- uh, mismatches and uh more to be desired you, you yeah say. exactly okay
0: cool. yeah if only Mega Man X had the soundtrack of Donkey Kong Country, it might just be the perfect game.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. Okay,
1: well, moving on to everyone's second favorite category. <laughs> content. <laughs> little brother. Content. Content. Um, so I guess I'll just I'll kick this off last. Um, as you know, Peter, I really enjoy my concisiveness when it comes to content. Um, if a game is very short in nature and is designed to be so, then what kind of content does it offer in that short amount of time, and is it quality content? If so, then I have no problem with that content. Well, I think that's what this game did pretty well. Um, Essentially what I'm saying is it's super replayable, like we've already mentioned, and I kind of admire that about it. Um, I think it's a really underrated quality of games that you can just go back and replay them. You can even play them in different ways, as we've already mentioned, or if you're playing it for the first time, you'll most likely go back and play through it another time in a different way to probably either do something easier or get something you didn't obtain um, the first time. So, cause I, I highly doubt, you know, I mean, somebody could or look it up or whatever, but that you did like a hundred percent everything, uh, the first playthrough And, uh, I don't know. It really encourages replayability, and I really like that in a game's content.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that the game is an appropriate length, like for the kind of gameplay that it is, um, and pretty much everything you said about replayability and conciseness, I, I agree with. So, I don't really think I need to repeat anything what you said, uh, Matt. You have a you have a different perspective being a speedrunner, but I am kind of wondering what you can uh, what you can add to our perspectives here
2: uh, for content. I, I mean, so I think there is a lot of little. Things that make some of the content special, um, and maybe this ties back to gameplay. But I think it's interesting that like you can cut um, mammoth's trunk off with the boomerangs. And, Jesus, that's metal! And then he can't put oil on the ground. It's like a really weird little thing. And like the little, the little um, touches that there's these guys that are outside the mechs, and then you can you can blast them before they get in the mechs, like. All this kind of stuff. So I think that kind of goes in the content, but in the context of the greater Mega Man series, I think there's more exposition in the intro stage of Mega Man X than any Mega Man game that came before it. Like you could you could watch the intro stage uh, or the intro part of any NES Mega Man game, and you you get the story. But as soon as you start playing, there is no more story. And I think for X, that intro stage where you have X come in and you fight Vile and, you know, he talks about, you know, someday you'll be more powerful and there's there's kind of like these short dialogues between um, Mega Man and Vile. Um, it's, it's a step in the right direction at the time for X and it's something that also um, bogged the game down further on. Um, around like X5 they started adding a lot more of that so Um, We were talking about all of the, you know, like lemon um, sponges that you have to fire like a billion things into and it slows down the gameplay. Mm -hmm. And X5, they kind of just put all this unnecessary dialogue in the game. They're like, this game needs more story. And uh, you'll just be jumping along, doing your thing, and they stop you to do some part of dialogue Uh, About <laughs> something oh, and that sucks. It's really it's obnoxious. So I think um, this game really has just the right amount for for what it's supposed to be, which is a short action platformer. Yeah, and uh, it it works overall. And you can you can dive into it a little bit more. There's some anime and stuff for yeah. the backstory of this game if you're really interested, but it's not necessary. I think it it does what every Mega Man game does, which is you know all the classics are like. Oh no, it's Wiley again. Like go <laughs> fight Dr. Wiley and like every X game is just oh no, Sigma did something. Go stop Sigma. <laughs> and 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 I think that's fine for what it is. The way that um you know, what's the movie with Keanu Reeves that's not the Matrix? John Wick. It's like John yeah. Wick is fine as like an action movie. It doesn't have a good story, but it works cuz like you're there for an action movie, you know. Yeah.
1: So I get what you're saying.
2: Yeah. I was going
1: to say, like isn't there a lot of lore to Mega Man? But yeah, it sounds like there is, <laughs> especially yeah. like later on, they really kind of played that up.:
0: Speaking of lore, um, one thing we haven't mentioned is uh, Zero, who is in this game, kind of kind of your mentor in a way. Um, so from what I understand, I think this is a good time to just briefly talk about the plot, because it is kind of cool. Um, so this this protagonist, I believe, is just named X, and so X is a successor to the original Mega Man. Uh, that dr light built Dr light built X but then X wasn't ready to like come out into the world until after Dr light died which is why Dr. light appears as a hologram and is always like you know giving you upgrades and stuff um, but some other doctor discovered X and then uh, X was basically like a peaceful robot until this war happened um, so there are reploids which are basically robots that uh, they're they're basically robots that help out the humans with their everyday tasks but of, of course at some point the robots go rogue and become Mavericks. And uh, Zero, who's kind of your mentor, he works with Sigma, who was originally a good guy, to defeat all the evil robots. But then Sigma himself turns evil, which everyone knew was going to happen at some point or other, because that's how plots work. And uh, so Sigma becomes a big bad guy, and then Zero goes to fight him. And then X is like just kind of learning how to fight at the beginning of the game. And Zero is like, hey, someday you'll be more powerful, which, Matt, you kind of mentioned. So, um, So it's kind of cool that they set up Zero as a role model. You don't see him very much, but whenever you do, like you know something cool or important or tragic is about to happen because he does die, spoiler alert, um, Oof. for this 25-year-old game. Uh, press 1 if uh, you're <laughs> sad about Zero dying in 1993. But, but I think that's really cool. I think it's a good balance of plot and gameplay, which is to say that there's 90% gameplay and 10% plot, which is the way that this kind of game needs to be. Like You don't need to be interrupted. Mid dash for some bullshit, which it sounds like X Five kind of does, according to Matt. Yeah, yeah. So I think this game does that really well.
1: Yeah, if you're looking for pretty much, and you haven't played any of the Mega Man series and don't know anything about it, I I think it's a really, and you're looking for a challenging game. I think it's a good one to pick up. Um, and that one you can enjoy beating over and over again. It almost feels very like arcadey. Despite the fact you can come back to it and like save and come back later, but um, it feels very arcade-like in that manner where you can just kind of run through it, go through different levels, beat the boss, next one, next one. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that really makes for a good speed running game, which I'm sure Matt can attest to. But that's one of the points that I wrote down was like, I think you know, given all that I observed, I think it would make a really, really cool speedrunning game to not only like speedrun, but watch for speedruns as well.
0: Kevin briefly mentioned the uh, the fact that you can save and come back later. So this game has a password system, which kind of surprises me to see in a Super Nintendo game, because I figured that was kind of a NES-era type thing. But um, basically, whenever you get a game over, or whenever you beat a level, you get a password screen that you can write down or take a photo of. And then the next time you boot up the game, you can enter in that password, and you'll start Like, with the same amount of progress that you had before. So that's all fine and dandy. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's totally weird from a modern perspective, but that's kind of the way that some games worked back then, so that's fine. Um, But a little personal story, this is a Peter Williams original, and I hope you all enjoy it. I was playing the Sigma levels, and I got to the final battle with Sigma. And I kept dying a lot. I was like, man, I do not have enough upgrades for this. Like, I need to get a bunch more health and whatever. And uh, my understanding was that if I quit out of the Sigma level and went to another level like to get upgrades and stuff, then I would be able to go back to Sigma and start off at the Sigma fight like with him himself rather than having to go through all the levels. And the reason I thought that is because when you game over at Sigma the boss, you start off again in that same place. Like, So I thought, oh, because I'm game overing and starting back there, that must mean that my password will bring me back here when I'm done uh, doing other shit. But that's not the way that it worked because I went back and grinded grinded on some items and gathered some stuff and then came back to Sigma. And then I was like, oh, I have to do all of the Sigma Fortress levels again. Like, this really sucks. And like, it it literally, I said, oh, like, I, I don't have time for this. Like, I have to do other shit tonight and like get ready for the episode tomorrow. I,
2: yeah. Like,
0: for that reason alone, I did not beat Sigma. And so mm. I think that's kind of a miscommunication on the games part because it tells you, or it teaches you throughout the whole rest of the game, like, wherever you start off after a game over is where a password will, will bring you, but I guess Sigma stages are an exception to that. So that's, I felt like that was just kind of shitty.
2: Yeah, that's really unfortunate. I didn't even know that that was a thing, so. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oof, Press yeah. F to pay respects. I'm actually really glad I used save states then. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> feel bad about that at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that from like a content perspective, and I mean that's arguably gameplay, but um yeah. in terms of like the progression of the game and like your ability to start and stop, that was like the one problem I had. Yeah. Um in that regard. I just thought that was kind of a interesting little password mishap. One of the one of the failures of the system, I guess.
2: Yeah. Peter, you just like totally nailed the lore on that too. I'm impressed. <laughs> There's like one caveat, I guess, which is um I think Zero was infected with some kind of virus that's from Dr. Wily. Yeah. So you have this sort of play of, like, Zero is kind of the, the, um, the next proto-man, um, in a way, for, like, this new era. And, like, Wily has some part to do with him, um, which is what has caused all of the um, Reploids to go maverick. So even though he's a, he's a fellow protagonist in the game... He's sort of uh, anti protagonist in a way as well.
0: So is Proto Man like an evil Mega Man? Because I don't know anything about Proto Man.
2: Yeah, he's he's kind of a mix. He um, in the NES games sometimes he helps you and sometimes he fights you. He's kind of an in between and like a anti hero sort of thing. But he's he's built by Wily, so I think they kind of modeled Zero around that. Interestingly enough, though, um, Zero was meant to be the model for Mega Man. The main developer for the game uh, he modeled he when they decided to do a new Mega Man game and do X like a new evolution of the game the model for Mega Man was zero and the, I think the rest of the studio told him that that was too radical and they wouldn't <laughs> let him do it so they, they chose the regular Mega Man sort of skin for it
0: yeah well that's understandable and then throughout the course of the game you get enough upgrades to where your suit begins to look pretty different from the standard Mega Man, so it, it kind of works out in the end. I think. Yeah, I agree. As far as uh, as far as content goes, just one more thing I want to talk about is uh, like the variety of, I guess the variety of gameplay, which again is like gameplay content, whatever. But um, I found that some of the levels had fun gimmicks that helped distinguish different pieces of the game apart from each other. One good example of this would be the minecart ride and uh, armored armadillos level, which is totally unlike anything else in the game. Um, there's also the, your, you know, your requisite underwater level, which is launch octopus, but that's kind of cool because your physics change a little bit when you're in water. Like from what I remember, you can jump a lot higher and further when you're underwater. So it's kind of cool that they throw in that variety. Um, and then as I said earlier, the storm Eagle stage, it's so unique because you fight storm Eagle on the ship that's in the sky or an airship, I guess would be the word. So it's really cool that they like threw that stuff in to mix up your experience while you're playing. Uh, The only issue I have is that I wish there were a level or even a section of a level that really emphasized fast movement because I don't think there was anything in the game that really did that. And because movement is so fun, I think that for them to design a level or even a part of a level around that idea is just uh, I think it's just a missed opportunity that they didn't do that. I think there was one uh, level that I found that they kind of utilized that
1: ability. It was One where you had to jump over, like, the spiky, uh, the rolling spiky things. I don't know what they're called. But they kind of, like, roll at you, and then there's, like, something chasing you from behind. Uh, Oh, yeah,
0: that wasn't an Armored Armadillo's level, actually. When that little, like, a bulldozer-type thing is kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, actually.
1: That level really emphasized speed. And, you like, there's uh, even things on the ground that try to trip you up from just dashing over it. So you have to dash and then jump, like in several like sequences to just kinda speed through that and I thought that was really fun.
2: Yeah. There's nothing quite like um where I'm playing Mega Man Eleven now and there's a level where there's a wall of fire behind you and then a bunch of obstacles that you have to jump through. And there's <laughs> enemies also as well on top of that and you really feel pressured to move as fast as possible through it. Like there's nothing like that in X that really puts the pressure on to you to to take adva- like full advantage of the mobility that you have. So yeah. I'd agree with Peter on that, I think.
0: Yeah, but I think Kev's uh, counterpoint is pretty good. I'd kind of forgotten about that part. Um, one last thing for me, I know I said the other thing was my last thing, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> I lied.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> and, got- and actually, there are other games that do this, so I think this might be a cool small tangent to get onto, but uh, in the Sigma levels, uh, the game starts to reuse the bosses. It brings them back, which makes sense because they're mechanical, so they could have been rebuilt, I imagine um but i i don't generally like the trope of reusing bosses but i don't hate it either like i think it's kind of cool that you get the opportunity to fight them again because hopefully by the time you're in this last level you have all of this you have all of these new powers and you have i mean you're just better at the game by nature of having played it longer so it's kind of cool for you to like s- like stunt on them a little bit <laughs> With their newfound abilities. Yeah. But at the same time, it feels kind of lazy to me. And uh, there are other games that do this, like even Legend of Zelda does this. Uh, multiple Zelda games do this, actually, uh, just bringing back the last bosses at the, or bringing back the early bosses into the end of the game. So I was wondering if you guys had any opinions on that.
2: Um, I think it's an era thing. Again, like going back to Zelda and everything else, um, all the classic NES Mega Man games do the boss rush at the end. It's kind of a known thing since. Mega Man 2, I think you always, before you fight Wily, you go and generally it was even lazier, which is they weren't. So what's cool about X is that they're strewn out throughout the level. So you, you kind of do a section and then all of a sudden you have to fight Boomer Kawanger again or something before you get to the end. Whereas in classic Mega Man, it was like you go to a room and there's a bunch of portals and you just walk into the portal, and then you fight a boss, and then they die, and then you walk into another portal, and you fight the next boss. So there's, they're not laid out in any way that has any sense of progression. Like it, At least in X, the boss is stopping you from getting to the boss in a way that's meaningful, because they're actually part of the level. Whereas in classic Mega Man, it's just like, okay, do every single boss again before you fight Wily, which I think uh. is even lazier. So I think part of it is tradition, and and part of it is laziness for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's that That sounds like it sucks.
0: <laughs> that's a good point though. I I did appreciate the way that they integrate, and I, I feel like even some of the Sigma levels did it better than some of the others. Like, and Sigma one and two, the bosses were like uh, they were spread out a lot further. But then by the time you get to Sigma three, it's pretty much just like boss, really short corridor to like grind on enemies for health, which. I also appreciate and then boss. So it's kind of like, I think it's cool. I, I think that they, uh, they brought back tradition. I didn't know it was a tradition until you said it, but they brought that back, but also expanded on it just a little bit. So, uh, I, I don't hate it, but it is something that I think is kind of worth thinking about from a content perspective. All about that content. Did you guys, uh, Kevin, did you watch the credits sequence? Uh, I didn't get there. I'm going to be
1: honest. I, I didn't get to the end of the game, but
0: I got close. Well, I had, I had to look up the credits because, as I said, I ended up not beating the final boss because of some bullshit. <laughs> but uh, the ending, it's pretty cool, actually. There's um, Well, it's cool in some ways. Basically, the ending is uh, Mega Man destroys Sigma's fortress, and then he uh, stands on a cliff overlooking the sea, which, uh, I mean, even Kirby Superstar did that. So I guess there's some sort of like SNES era looking dramatically over uh, a sunset. <laughs> on the ocean sort of thing but anyway he's looking over it and it's kind of recapping like it, it gets really dark actually which i appreciate it it's like Mega Man x or x surveys all the destruction some of which he is responsible for because he took part in the war um and then at the end it, it talks about that for a little bit and then at the end it says how much more will he fight how long will his pain last Ooh. Only the cannon on his arm knows the answer, and I was like, "What the fuck, man!" Like I thought I was playing a kids' game, and then it's like, "How long will this panel?" Oh my god! Um, and then at the end, they have the credits roll, which, by the way, they all have synonym or <laughs> synonyms. They all have pseudonyms. Uh, all the developers do, which uh, which I, I knew they kind of did in Japan at this time to prevent companies from like headhunting employees from other companies. But I'd never actually seen it in a game that I had played until now, so that was pretty cool. Um, it's interesting to look that up if you guys have time it's kind of a cool like cultural thing um, well not cool but it's an interesting cultural thing but anyway after the credits Sigma comes back and he's like yo uh, I ain't dead fool I'm coming back and it's just like pretty pretty striking and pretty dark so I, I thought that at the end of the game like for as bright and cheerful as all the colors and all the music is like the end of the game it, it hits you hard man sounds kind of depressing yeah it's it's a pretty short sequence, Kev. It's probably like five minutes, so if you have time after our call or just whenever, I think it might be a fun watch.
1: Yeah, I'll probably give it a listen or watch for sure. I kind of like games that take a dark twist, though. I'm not going to lie.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think they marketed it as like, this is adult Mega Man, like before. So one of the things that's cool about the classic Mega Man games is they would have contests, and they would have submissions for like who the bosses are. So as you can imagine there's just a bunch of children that are like you know it'd be cool if there was a guy with a fan we'd call <laughs> would call him air man he is a fan and like that's why like all the bosses are sort of cartoony yeah. which is also fun about it too is that like they have like this gimmick like it's like snake man he shoots snakes everything this level snakes yeah. whereas i think x they really they were like okay so our fan base is growing up we need to do something that's a little bit darker and a little bit more serious. So I think the bosses sort of reflect that tone along with the storyline. Yeah, I really like that.
0: I do think there's something kind of intrinsically childish about it, the bosses all being animals, but at the same time, like the overall core of the game does feel a little darker. So I mean, I haven't played other Mega Man, so I can't speak to it, but the way that you frame it, it certainly sounds like they took it to a, to a darker place, which does seem pretty cool. But it's kind of funny now because, like, it's kind of the opposite these days, I feel, where people are trying to. Um, now it's all about the nostalgia for how games were when you were a kid because, like, you grew up to be a teenager and then you want everything to be edgy. But then after that, you kind of want to be back to yeah. where it was. So it's kind of funny to see that life cycle.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. You guys thought I was done with content a long time ago, but now I'm finally done. You know how I get <laughs> about content. So, uh,
1: yeah, I, I honestly can't believe we've talked about this much about content given the uh, amount of like actual content there is in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, that kind of speaks to the game's content. But we should give our ratings. Yeah. How about you start, big boy? I gave it an 80. You know, overall, it's not a game that, like, really thrives on all of its content, as it's really short, but I thought in the short amount of time that you do spend on it, the content's pretty good. But, um... That being said, it is short in nature, so I can't say that
2: it's like amazing content.
0: I, uh, I pretty much agree with you. I gave it an 85, so uh, we're in cool. pretty much in agreement. Matt, how about you?
2: Yeah, I was going to bump it up to an 85, only because I think the devs really cared about this game, um, particularly the producer and whatnot, and I think if they could have, they would have packed more lore and story elements into it and part of its limitations and just the format of the game. So I think 85 is fair. They tried. They tried their best, <laughs> yeah, and they
0: did a good job. I mean, as Kevin said, like there's kind of like inherent limitations with a game like this, so um, I think 85 is a good score. Cool. All right, cool. Now that we're done with everyone's uh, second favorite section, poor content. It just wants to be number one. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe things will shake up eventually. Uh, but now that we're done with that, it's time for us to go over our ratings, and we will uh, kind of see where this game ends up. So I will go first. Um my recap is that I gave gameplay an 85. I gave visuals the hottest and freshest and coldest and thinnest 95. <laughs> gave audio an 80, pretty good. And I gave content an 85. So all told my overall rating is
1: 85.8. Mm, that's not
2: too bad.
0: Not too shabby, not too bad. Uh uh-huh. Matt, I want to have you go second actually.
2: Oh man. <laughs> well, I can't I can't recount all of my scores, so we're going to give it a hot fresh totally unbiased 87
0: <laughs> that's pretty unbiased sounds like you know that's like that's not a score that a that a total stand would give a game so i appreciate that all right well that just leaves me um all alone here
1: at last uh i gave gameplay a 73 um and then visuals 85 audio 93 content 80. So that brings my overall to what it, what was it, an
0: 80.7? Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think that's pretty, pretty, pretty close to accurate. I tried to leave my, I I, I don't want to say bias, but I tried to leave my, you know, not so pleasant times out of it and try to look at it objectively (laughs) and and like what other people think about the game, and kind of consider that and take that into perspective. And I think I did a pretty good job of it. So, not yeah. not too bad for my personal rating. I I feel.
0: Yeah, I think we all did that pretty well. Um, I think yeah. we're all fairly uh, fairly uh, integrous reviewers. So nothing to worry about there. You know, uh, I G. You can't spell integrity without an I and a G. So here we are. <laughs> and uh, true. <laughs> and uh, overall, the ranking for Mega Man X with all of our totals is an 84.5, which means that it is a uh, number 10 out of 16 on our list. So pretty good. Our list is
1: really kind of building up. It's kind of exciting to see like all of these scores like ranked against each other.
0: Yeah, especially uh, especially like the the mid 80s. There's a lot of stuff competing around there, so it's kind of cool to see the uh, all that action. Yeah, a lot of platformers there actually. I'm kind of seeing a pattern now that I <laughs> look at it.
2: Yeah, you're right. So wait, did it do better than Chopper Attack, at least? Yeah. Barely.
0: Chopper, I, chopper Attack uh, Chopper attack landed with a stale, uh, lukewarm <laughs> 65.8.
2: So uh, Okay. Yeah, yeah. much can, better I than can, Chopper Attack. I can sleep tonight. <laughs> you can sleep tonight.
0: Chopper <laughs> Attack's still an underrated game, though. I'm going to say it. I don't care what anyone thinks.
1: <laughs> it's got some redeeming qualities. As long as, like... Your favorite game can land above uh, Chopper Attack, you're good. Like, you know, <laughs> you've made it. Yeah.
0: See, the problem with our show before we did Chopper Attack was that we, had, uh, we only had high bars, we had no low bars. Yeah. But uh, now we have a good low bar to clear. <laughs> so, yeah. We have brought balance to the
1: force. I'm interested to see if we have like, like a 70 rated game
2: when that will happen.
0: Yeah, well maybe we'll play one of the later Mega Mans, uh, one of the ones that Matt specifically told us not to play. And we'll... Yeah, you
2: could you could play X5 or X6, and then <laughs> yeah. we could talk <laughs> about it. that.
0: Yeah, uh, Not a terrible idea, we might, uh, might table that for Season 3. But uh, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this very special episode of the Interstate Gamers. Thank you so much to everyone who's listening, everyone who uh, interacts with us, whether it's listening or social media, or both, mm-hmm. preferably. Um Matt, it was an honor having you on the show. Yes, I think this is the first time that Matt and I have ever actually spoken to each other at the same time. Usually, it's like me and his stream or him in my stream. so <laughs> Matt, a pleasure to actually speak with you with uh, verbal words.
2: yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on, and it was like it was really fun uh hearing about your journey through X. It was really exciting, yeah,
0: yeah. I know that uh Matt has been looking forward to this episode for a long time in addition to Kevin and I, so uh yeah, it was really fun kind of went long this episode compared to recent, but I mean, we got a third person, so what can you... Actually, we do have a... This episode is going to have about 33% more content than the average or, uh, sorry, about 50% more content than the average, so the math checks out. Um, But, uh, Matt, I know you're not terribly active on social media, but do you have any, like, plugs or anything you want to give?
2: Yeah, I'll give two. Um, I stream at uh, twitch.tv slash plays. When my CPU isn't melting, which has been the case lately. <laughs> and uh, you can also, um, if you're interested in Overwatch or um, kind of like FPS games like that, I also play on an Overwatch team. We do amateur tournaments and you can uh, play pugs with us. We do pugs every weekend, Friday and Saturday, uh, pickup games. Anyone can join in and uh, it's a pretty inclusive community. And that's at reforgegaming.net.
0: Cool. Do you want to plug your music as well, or are you going to leave that by the wayside? Oh, yeah. I do music. You can, uh, you can
2: check me out <laughs> at soundcloud.com slash
0: Cool. And that's spelled T-R-U-E-K-E-Y, like a, a key that is not false.
2: Yeah, and there's going to be a super hot and fresh remix of uh, one of Peter's tracks coming up soon. Oh, ooh. shit. ooh.
0: Once I have enough time to finally finish the mastering. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> um, other plugs... You, you gotta you gotta listen to the Secret Levels podcast, if yes. only because we'll be there on one of their next episodes. But also listen to their Mega Man X review, see how it's stacked up uh, compared to our score. I still haven't listened because I wanted to be spoiler-free, so to speak, for my own review. So I don't know what they said, but I look forward to hearing about it. And, of course, their other episodes are good, too. Um, the Yeasty Boys, always internally, are good friends. Um, I hope they don't have an ad for us because I didn't leave anywhere to play it, so... Um,
1: no, they don't. Uh, th- this just <laughs> in, they actually still don't have an ad. <laughs> <laughs> no ad from these two So you can actually play the ad um, we had last
0: time. Okay, that, that was a pr- pretty good ad, so yeah, I, I think I'll just I pop agree. that one in again. <laughs> um, find us on Twitter at the IG underscore cast. Uh, if you want to email us, we, we got one fan email, I think, one time, and it was really great, like, highlight of my year easily. <laughs> so uh, if you want to email us anything... Uh, you can go Or to, Tweet us. Well yeah, but Twitter, tw- everyone's got Twitter, but you know, an email takes that extra level of effort. So if, right. you wanna, if you want to if you want to show your true dedication to the cause, you can email us at theinterstategamers at gmail.com. But you should probably just tweet us at the IG underscore cast. Um I think that's it. Anything I'm missing? Uh
1: not that I know of. Our boy Z Link is uh now Oh shit. Is now uh doing uh, Let's plays a lot of Let's plays on his YouTube channel, and they're pretty interesting. He does live uh, premieres of his videos, so you can go and interact with him while you watch the videos of him playing. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I really enjoy Chris's Let's plays. I highly suggest you watch them.
1: Yeah. Lastly, if you haven't turned off this podcast by now, um, <laughs> we uh, we still have a merch sale going, or we will have a merch sale going on by the time this episode airs. Everything will be thirty percent off on our store. So if you're looking to get some uh, holiday uh, Interstate Gamers merch for your friends and family, or
2: even for yourself,
1: it'd be a good time to get one during you know the holiday season, like Black Friday and Thanksgiving and all that jazz.
2: Oh damn! Yeah, we have some good
0: merch and uh, more coming soon. Hopefully, I just need—I'm just such a busy guy, you know. Like, it's so busy. Don't always have time to design cool merch, but I really want to. So it's in the works. Uh, Don't let me forget, audience. Hold me accountable for uh, designing this cool new merch because it's going to come and it's going to be great. Yeah, well, that's going to do it for us. Matt, thank you one more time for joining. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Kevin, thank you for being on the podcast. It's a real treat every time you decide (laughs) to show up. Peter, you did such a great job today, so I really appreciate it. Um, (laughs) As always. As always. Uh, Cool, thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Love you too.